really want to come to you and talk to you about it's already done. I know that's something that we say a lot in church, it's already done, it's a done deal. You don't have to worry about anything. But I really want you to understand this and really get this revelation down in your heart because this teaching has changed my life. It has taken me to a place where I don't have a worry, I don't have a care in the world because I have an understanding that my life belongs to Him. And if my life does belong to Him, I trust Him to absolutely take care of everything in my life. And I need you to understand this, that when Jesus came into your life and you said that you were changed, it is not your body that was changed. It was not your soul that was changed, but it was your spirit that was changed immediately. When you ask Jesus to come into your life, he changed your spirit. And you gotta get that because you are not a uh, one, one being. You are spirit, soul, and body, triune being. You have a spirit, you are a spirit, you have a soul and you live within a body. And you gotta understand that when you say that you're saved or you're a change, it is not your body, it is not your soul, but it is your spirit. And that's how God sees you. He sees you in the spirit. He communicates with you in the spirit because he's a spirit. St. John 4, 24, God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So because God is a spirit, he relates to me in the spirit. And because he relates to me in the spirit, when I look, in the word of God, according to St. John 6, 63, it is the spirit that quickeneth and the flesh profiteth nothing, but the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. So when you are dealing with anything that God says, God is spirit and he speaks spirit. Your spirit is sealed. Your spirit is sanctified forever. And again, I know that's hard for you to see because when I say you change, you look in the mirror and you say, I don't look too changed. Or you think of some of the thoughts that you're still thinking. And you still think bad thoughts. You still think on things you shouldn't think. You still have ideas that you shouldn't have. And you say, I must not be changed. But it is not talking about your soul or your body. It's your spirit. It is your spirit, man, that is changed. And I want you to understand that and really get that revelation that my spirit is a new creature. Second Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. What is? Not my flesh, not my soul, but my spirit. At that exact moment that I accept Jesus into my heart, my spirit man is a new creature. You got that? Genesis 1, 26 says, let us make man in our own image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over every all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And God blessed them and said unto them, be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree in the which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed, to you it shall be for me.
And there were beasts of the earth, and there were fowl of the air, and to everything that creepeth upon the earth, wherein there is life, I've given every green herb for me, and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good, and the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Now, I want you to understand this, that when God made Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve were God's master copy. They were the crowning jewel of God's creation. And I know we're living at a time now where people are, treat animals like they're more powerful than humans, but that's not so. You got to understand that Adam and Eve was the crowning jewel of God's creation. There is no creation on earth that is more powerful than a man. And of course, I'm not saying that we should be disrespectful to animals. I believe that if you have the spirit of God living in you, you're going to be kind to animals. But I want you to see that when God made Adam, he made Adam last. And even though he created us last, the reason he created us last is because we were the focus of his creation. Everything that was made, the sun, the moon, the stars, the animals, the trees, all of it was made for us. That means that when God made everything that he made, he made it for man and he made it for man's provision. So they never had to say that they were hungry because if they ever said they were hungry, verse 29, I've given you every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth. God had already made what they needed, which means God anticipated everything that Adam was going to need for eternity. God did not just make one tree in that garden, but he made enough trees that would have lasted Adam throughout all eternity for the rest of his life. And there's a reason I say that. Because when you look at Genesis chapter two, verse one, thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had made. And he rested on the seventh day from all the work which he had made, which means that God was finished. And when God said he was finished or he rested, he was not talking about he got tired because God doesn't get tired. He doesn't slumber, nor does he sleep. But he rested. That means it was complete. That means that in that very moment that God rested, he was finished. And in that moment, man entered into a supernatural rest. According to Colossians chapter 2, verse 16, you can't let nobody judge you on Sabbaths, on moons, on holy days, because only people who are keep trying to keep a date have not come into the revelation that there is a supernatural rest that belongs to the believer. God is not creating anything else. We see that in Ecclesiastes chapter three, everything that God makes, he makes forever. He doesn't add anything to it. I believe that's around verse 14. Neither does he take anything away from it. When God created everything he created, it is done. God's not making anything else. He's not making any more water. He's not making any more H2O. He's not even making any more air. When a baby is born, a baby does not have to come out and ask for air. Or God does not make air every time a baby is born. Air is available. All the baby has to do is receive. And because God wants us to understand that once we enter into that Sabbath rest, according to Hebrews chapter 4, 
we now rest in what Jesus has done. God no longer creates anything because in the beginning, God anticipated everything that we were ever going to need. So if I ever come up with the need and come to God about it, God said, I already knew. Believe it's Matthew 6. It says he had, he knows what you have need of before you even ask for it. So when you come into a need, you don't have to go to God. All right. Because he's already taking care of your needs. And if there's any labor, according to Hebrews chapter four, around about verse seven, eight, nine, we are laboring to enter into the rest that it's already done. Now, I know that's a good shouting and a good book and a good scream. And a lot of us do that all the time. We just dance and shout because, hey, it's already done. But I really need you to get that in your spirit today, that God has taken care of every need that you will ever come up with. As a matter of fact, 1 Peter 2.24 says that with his stripes, you were healed. You don't have to ask God to heal you. You were healed at Calvary 2,000 years ago. It is done. It is finished. You're not believing God for a healing. You are already healed, spirit, soul, and body. It's already done. And Ephesians chapter one says, that same power that raised Jesus from the dead is now living on the inside of you. What? What are you talking about? Not your body, not your soul but it is resident in your spirit. And I really want you to understand that because if you come into this understanding, there are a lot of things that you're going to God about. You're pleading and pleading, asking God to do things. And God is saying, it's already done. And I just need you to come into the revelation that everything you're asking God for is already done. As a matter of fact, in Ephesians chapter one, verse three, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who have blessed us, that's in the past tense, with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Now, that means that you are already blessed. Now, how many times have you asked God to bless you? Lord, I need you to bless me. I need you to make a way. No, God already blessed you. He blessed you at Calvary. That's why when Jesus was on that cross, he said, it is finished. He wasn't lying. He was telling the truth. It is done. And I want you to understand that when God made Adam, everything Adam was ever going to need was in that garden. He didn't have to go to God. His relationship with God was not to ask, but it was for fellowship. It was for relationship. It was for communion. It was for worship because he had all the food he needed. All he had to do was go get the apple. All of the animals, everything was already in the garden because God anticipated what you were going to need. So you are already blessed. You don't have to pray, Lord, bless me. You've already been blessed with all spiritual blessing, but it's not your flesh and it's not your soul, but it's your spirit. You're already blessed. Not only that, verse four said, he has already chosen you before the foundation of the world. What does that mean? That means that you're already chosen and you did not just get chosen, but you were chosen before the foundation of the world. Now you got to get this. That means God's not responding to what you did. He's already done it. Isn't that powerful? Because you keep trying to work and work and work to try to get God to respond to you. 
but God already responded according to verse four. He already chose you before the foundation of the world. Then look at verse five. It says, having predestinated us unto the adoption of the children by Jesus Christ. My God, not only did he choose me, not only has he already blessed me, but he's already predestinated me. And verse six says, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us acceptable. What that mean? You are already accepted. Just like he chose Jesus, he's chosen you. And that word accepted is the same Greek word you find in Luke chapter one that declares, hail thou Mary, you are highly favored. When that Bible says that you are accepted, that means that you've been highly favored. You've already been accepted by God, which means God loves you. And when God sees you, he does not see you where you are, but he sees you in the spirit. And because he sees you in the spirit, he sees you as a new creature, which means if he sees you, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, as a new creature, your spirit man, he loves you just as much as he loves Jesus. Now, you need to take a minute and soak that in because you're sitting up here trying to get God to love you instead of recognizing that he loves you as much as he loves Jesus and he's pleased with you just like he's pleased with Jesus. Romans chapter 8 verse 9 declares that if you have not the spirit of Christ, you are none of his. So if you have that regenerated spirit of God resident on the inside of you, that power, that power has to learn how to get into your flesh. Well, you say, Prophet Karn, Pastor, if I am regenerated, if I'm a new creature, if I'm all of these things that you say that I am, if God loves me, I don't see these things manifested. If I'm healed in my spirit, if I'm delivered in my spirit, why isn't it manifested in my flesh? And the reason it's not manifested in your flesh, if you've not released it, by the renewing of your mind. You got to understand that your mind has to be renewed. There must be a renewal of the mind because right now your mind is programmed to think the contrary. But if you come into the revelation that your mind has to be renewed and believe it by faith and act on it, I promise you, your life will never, ever be the same. And I'm not just telling you something that I have down pat. God is teaching me this. According to 1 John 3, 18, he said, my little children, let us not love in the word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. Do you know that you have to assure your own heart that you're changed? You got to assure your own heart that you're different, that you're not the same person. You got to assure your own heart that he loves you because your mind will try to make you believe something else. But today you are changing the way you think according to Proverbs 23 and seven, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So God wants you to know today that I love you, that I've chosen you, that you've been accepted into the beloved and that you are predestinated. And guess what? If all of that is so, what is the purpose? Why am I coming to church? If God loves me, 
Why don't I believe it? Well, this is why you need your mind renewed. Verse 18 of Ephesians 1 says, that the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. God said, you're chosen, you're loved, you're accepted, but guess what? Your eyes gotta come open. And it's just like being a billionaire. It's just like having an inheritance that belongs to you, but you don't know that it's yours. Today, God wants you to understand that the eyes of your understanding have to be open. And today, it's my job to get you to come into a revelation that everything you're asking for, everything you're praying for, everything you're believing for is already done. You don't have to pray for it to happen. You're not trying to get it to happen. He already took care of it. You're already healed. You're already prosperous. You're already taken care of. Your eyes just got to come into the revelation. And the Bible declares that we have to have our understanding open that we may know what is the hope of his calling. It's not your calling, it's his calling. All of us here have a portion of the ministry of Jesus. It's his inheritance. His inheritance is not in heaven, but it's in the saints. I need you to get that, that the glory of God is already in you, that your spirit is already changed. And everything through Jesus is already done. God said your eyes got to come open to what is the exceeding greatness, verse 19 of his power, to us where he believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above principality and power and might and dominion in every name that is named not only in this world, but also which is in that to come. Everything is already in you. And verse 19 through 21 says that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is living on the inside of you. Your spirit is not incomplete. Your spirit is not just done have a portion of Jesus. You have him in his fullness. According to 1 John chapter 4, verse 17, herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. Your born-again spirit is identical to Jesus. God has already prospered you. He's already healed you. My God, that is powerful. My born-again spirit knows everything. There is nothing hidden from my born-again spirit, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16. But who have known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. That's what's resident in your spirit. 1 John chapter 2, verse 20 declares, But ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. Nothing is hidden from you in the spirit. When people say you think you're a know-it-all, tell them you are absolutely correct. I am a know-it-all because your spirit knows absolutely everything. And I wish you would take a moment and let that settle in your spirit that the spirit of God that lives on the inside of you 
knows everything. He knows where your money is. He knows where your children are. He knows where your next business venture are. He knows everything as it pertains to your destiny. The spirit of God in you knows everything. Well, pastor, I hear you saying that my Holy Ghost knows everything, but my spirit, which is changed, remember it is not incomplete. You do not have a baby Jesus. You have a mature Jesus because everything in eternity is mature. Adam never, ever, ever was a baby. He never was an adolescent. He never went through puberty. He was born a mature man. And that means that the spirit of God on the inside of you is not a baby. He's mature. And that spirit knows everything. And if that spirit knows everything, why are things hidden from me? Why don't I know my business? Why don't I have this? Why don't I have that? Well, let me tell you, that's why we have the gift of the Holy Ghost. First Corinthians chapter 14 says something very profound. In 1 Corinthians 14, I think it's around verse 13. Look at what the Bible says. It says in verse 14, For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth. And that's why you need the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And if you're listening to this right now and you don't have it, I want to encourage you to go find you a spirit-filled church. Find you a church where the power of God is in operation that believes in the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. According to Acts chapter two, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 19. Okay, all of those instances are places where they receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. When you pray in tongues, your spirit man is praying. Well, prophet, if my spirit man is praying, that's who you want to pray because it's your spirit that knows everything. But it's not enough just for him to know. You don't just want to pray. You want the interpretation. Verse 13. Wherefore, let him that speaketh in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. So, of course, you speak in tongues. But the reason you don't know where it is, is you don't pray for the interpretation. Now, this is just the beginning of a teaching called It's Already Done. And I want to tell you that if you want to know more about this, you should go to the website. All of the information that you need will be on the website where you can get the fullness of this teaching. But I wanted you to see that everything that you need is already done. It's not going to happen. It's not maybe happen, but it will happen. It's a done deal. And I need you to get this because as you pray in tongues, your spirit man will show you where absolutely everything is. Your Holy Ghost knows all things. You have a unction to function. You are not just human, but one third of you is wall to wall Holy Ghost. Thank you for listening to Prophetic Podcast with Prophet Brian Karn. Stay tuned for next week's podcast and visit BrianKarn.com for more information and to sow a seed into the ministry. More grace, we're excited about your future.